My name is Matt Moss. I'm a 47-year-old guitarist, artist, and most importantly, video game lover. Started in a small town, uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, which is like four hours south of Chicago, mm -hmm. right on the Indiana-Illinois border. Dad was a union carpenter. Total alcoholic childhood, like a lot of kids. Dad was mean, abusive, emotionally, physically. My mom took us out of the house because of abuse. Uh, I was probably seven years old. Divorce went on forever, you know, that kind of story. So your dad was abusive? Oh, absolutely. My mom was like most Catholic, religious, and more grounded. Said, I'm gonna take these kids away from you, and you know, it's like, he was Jekyll and Hyde. When he was good, he was good. When he was bad, he was bad. You know what I mean? It's just like the alcohol made him bad. And it's like, that's not really who you are, you know? It took me a long time to forgive you for a lot of stuff, too. You know? So I'll take you back through my story here. It all starts in October of 2015. I was going to the dentist, getting my teeth cleaned. They call it a scalular cleaning, and they have to give you antibiotics. Well, I had two visits, and I don't remember them ever giving me antibiotics. Two days afterwards, I noticed this large bump on my right arm, on my forearm, and it kind of looked like a ganglion cyst. Well, being a guitar player, I was like, gosh, what's this? It looked like a little golf ball puffed up under there. So here's what it looked like the first time. Matt's showing me old photos of his swollen arm. Yep, 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 Popeye, right? And so the veins, the vein is twisted up. That's With an aneurysm. artery, yeah, okay. it twists in. And usually they said for a man to get this is so rare, it's usually a woman and they get it in their uh, fallopian tubes. They get oh, it in their really? reproductive areas. And that's why they look at me and I'm like, look, I used to be a glam rocker. What are you trying to say? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Matt's got a tremendous story, as you're going to find out in a few seconds. And it's a story that I personally connect with. It's the story of a small town kid who moves to Los Angeles. He takes the stage and he becomes a star and then suffers through a series of positively surreal medical maladies. Matt is a former glam rocker who lives with his teenage daughter named Ashley, which weirdly enough was Matt's glam rock stage name. And if you are a fan of the Dishonored series of games, and I am for sure, you're not gonna wanna miss this episode. Welcome to Heavily Pixelated. Heavily Pixelated is a show that attempts to describe all the positive things that games do for us. I'm Scott C. Jones. Listen, why did you settle on Los Angeles? Because it was the where all my heroes are from. I came out here from Indiana to pursue music. That was my reason for coming out here. I was like Poison, Motley Crue, Kiss. Okay. I was the glam rocker guy. I was the guy that wore makeup. Really? Oh, yeah, dude. Glam rock came out of the UK in the late 60s and early 70s. Think David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust, Mott the Hoople. Think long hair, rhinestones, platform shoes. Glam rock migrated to the US in the form of Def Leppard and Kiss and Cheap Trick and bands like that. This is what Matt aspired to be. Yeah, just that was the whole thing. It was chasing the dream. I was signed uh, when I was 19 to a, a CBS affiliate label. The band was called Burn Blue. Nothing came of it. The whole Nirvana thing came along and like totally changed the Wiped scene. Wiped it out, yeah. So I was in a glam band called the Gutter Sluts. And uh, real long hair, kiss look. Matt says he met so many of his heroes, but he also paid his dues at the same time. I was actually CC DeVille from Poison's house cleaner for a long time. Oh, wow. Before he moved out of the, if you ever watched their VH1 special, he had this house on the hill and I was his house cleaner. It was really weird. Matt has his computer open and as we're talking, he's showing me more photographs. So that's what I woke up to, dude. That's what the inside of your arm looks like and you can see where they cauterized it. Oh, God. It's obviously more of the inside of an arm than I was expecting to see. 
So every day I had to clean it, three times a day, pack it with gauze. As a guitar player, this was horrible. Yeah, this has guitar. been my life since I was uh, 14 yeah. and an active musician. I was losing weight rapidly. I lost, I mean, I'm 6'4". I mean, yeah. I'm like, yo, I'm a tall guy. Dude, look at me. I, I was dying. I mean, yeah. I, I was dying. I was dying. You should be dead. And, oh, pfft. At the back of his mind, Matt thought he had cancer. And in the photos, he certainly looks like he has cancer. They were giving me a bunch of tests in the emergency room, and they found out I had something called tachycardia, which is a really high heart rate. Immediately, they admitted me to the, the hospital. We have to keep you. Something's very wrong. A day later, I'll never forget my surgeon coming in and goes, congratulations, you're a candidate for open heart surgery. And I was just like, you're kidding me. And he's like, no. He said, if you don't want to get this done, I'll send you home with antibiotics, but you're going to be dead in four to six months. I was in the ICU, uh, intensive care, cardiothoracic unit. First, they were going to do the surgery on my right arm. A week later, they did a mitral valve replacement, open heart surgery. They had to stop my heart, the whole thing. Matt, because of the dental work he had without the antibiotics, had developed an infection in his heart, specifically in the mitral valve. I know this. I understand this intimately because the same fucking thing happened to me in early 2014. I had severe night sweats for about a year. I went to the emergency room half a dozen times. They would uh, check my vitals and tell me that everything was okay and send me home. I was living in Vancouver at the time. I was working on two TV shows. I was really in the prime of my life. I never really thought I was worth all that much. But now I was on TV every day. I was doing work that I really cared about. I was writing things that I took a lot of pride in. And I was honestly just kind of amazed that I had this, this great life. Making things even more surreal was the fact that I had this beautiful girlfriend who I was sure was way too good for me. Around this time, everything kind of went blurry for a while. Uh, I stopped going to work. Uh, I started wandering around the neighborhood aimlessly. One night I ran into my friends, Jason and Allie. Allie is a doctor and Jason is a game developer at Relic. They realized something was wrong with me and they strong-armed me into spending the night at their apartment so they could keep an eye on me. I remember waking up the next morning and Allie was hovering uh, above the bed in their guest room and she said, Jonesy, do you, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? I remember her saying that. And I remember I answered her, I said, uh, I said, zero, one, one. I don't know why I said that. She immediately told her husband to take me back to the emergency room. I was diagnosed with an infection of the heart called endocarditis. And like Matt, my infection was also in the mitral valve. The infection in my heart had been growing for who knows how long, six months, a year, longer, that the doctors don't really know. But the infection is the reason why I had such severe night sweats. The infection had grown to such an enormous size that pieces of it started breaking off in my heart and the pieces got into my bloodstream and they traveled uh, all the way to my brain. Still hard for me to say this out loud, still hard for me to accept that this is real, but the infection caused a series of strokes. 
which is why so much of my life didn't make sense at that point. And it's why when Ali asked me if I knew where I was, I said zero, one, one. My brain, my brain was really fried. And in some ways it's still fried. I had open heart surgery at the age of 44. Doctors replaced my mitral valve with a plastic mechanical valve. I was in the hospital for four weeks and then in rehab for another 10 weeks. And since 2014, I've just been trying to get back on my feet again and trying to squeeze as much enjoyment or value out of my life as I possibly can. Because if I learned anything from all this, it's that the window can close suddenly on you at any time. I interviewed Matt in an underground shopping mall in downtown Los Angeles during E3 in 2019. Doctors caught Matt's infection much earlier than they caught mine, so Matt did not have a stroke or strokes the way I did. I'm talking to him in a closed florist shop that his friend owns. We're both surrounded by banks of flowers, huge bouquets, which seems oddly appropriate for two guys who narrowly missed being killed by heart infections. During the interview, Matt takes his keys out and tosses them on the counter. On the key ring is a miniature Corvo mask from the collector's edition of Dishonored. In Dishonored, you play as Corvo Atano, Empress Jessamine's personal bodyguard. At the very beginning of Dishonored, Corvo is wrongly convicted of murdering Empress Jessamine. Corvo escapes, goes on the lam, and you spend the rest of the game trying to, one, rescue Emily, Jessamine's daughter, and two, trying to undo this wrongful conviction. In a dream sequence very early in the game, a figure known as the Outsider appears. Hello, Corvo. Your life has taken a turn, has it not? The Empress is dead. Her precious daughter Emily is lost somewhere in the city, and you will play a pivotal role in the days to come. For this, I have chosen you and drawn you into the void. I am the Outsider. And this is my mark. In this moment, a weird tattoo magically appears on Corvo's dream hand. There are forces in the world and beyond the world. Great forces that men call magic. And now, these forces will serve your will. Use this newfound power. My gift to you. Dishonored at its core is really a comeback story. It's about a man who's taken down unexpectedly in his prime, and he has to find a way to get back on his feet again. I have a big uh, 33 millimeter in diameter titanium valve for my mitral valve. So you have four valves in your heart, and they basically had to replace that one because it was so destroyed by the infection from these guys not giving me the antibiotics. Matt shows me some more photographs from when he was in the hospital. Look at me. I mean, you see me now. Like, I had, you know, I used to have a round face. Dude, yeah. I, I was dying. I thought I had cancer. Dude, it's hard for me to look at this. The worst is getting the intubation thing. The intubation thing is the plastic tube that doctors put down your throat so a ventilator can help you breathe. Because when they pull it out as me being a singer, it can damage your throat. And if you notice when I talk, it's yeah. like, it fucked up my throat. This is Matt back in his glam rock days, singing a song called Kiss This.
Okay, so here, listen to my voice. This is me. I was making little videos. Matt has a series of videos that he made of himself while he was in the hospital. I think part of him wants to make it real for me, but I think also he wants to make it real for himself again. There's still part of me that can't quite believe that I went through all this. Matt probably feels the same. I figure while I'm here, I might as well make some little videos and uh, show you how I'm connected when I said I'm online or offline. It's hard to reconcile the person that I'm seeing on screen, this skinny scarecrow, with the man I'm sitting next to at the moment. It's hard to believe they're the same person. I've never had that much fish already. Mm -hmm. There's uh, a surgery. That's, if you look real close here, I still have a couple of wires oh, in me. Yeah, I bet a wire. So lead, lead, lead. And if uh, any of these come off, you hear that machine going off uh, over there. This lovely thing is called a pick line. It goes through line. my Did you have one? Yep. main Most artery into about right here somewhere my heart rate is high it says which is good because at least it's working <laughs> yeah, that's um, true <laughs> i watched this now and i'm like god dude i was on so much drugs dude i was a mess yeah. i didn't know what was going told on i was going to go home today but yeah i was in 23 days i told them to forward my mail so i'm looking forward to getting my newest highlights magazine and uh, we'll take her <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I was I was coming apart. Yeah. I was falling apart. Then Matt finds another video that he just has to show me. Oh, here's one more I'll show you. Some of these are really funny. I can hardly talk. Still in the lovely ICU unit, and uh, you hear that? Oh, I can get that sound on my head, that bell. Yeah, I know exactly what Matt's talking about here. When you're in the hospital, you hear a wide variety of sounds over the course of the day, and you hear them so often that they get woven into your psyche. Your whole day is kind of built around this soundtrack of beeps and boops and mechanical sounds, electronic sounds that are indicators of life or indicators of peril of some sort. Yeah. You go above 110 and it's right. Yeah. If you hear some alarming sound, it's just me off of offline. So anyway, just wanted to show you my amenities here. Someone's coming for me. Oh, dude, every time that went off, they'd come running in there. One of the most surprising things about Matt is that he's a parent. His daughter, Ash, was eight when he got sick. The next video Matt shows me is the two of them being reunited after his hospital this stay. you will kill you. So this is... My daughter didn't know I was coming home. I got home on a Thursday, and, oh, uh, dude, this, I, I cried my eyes out when I watched this yeah. shit. Hi, Bubba! Yeah, dude, she is, she's the one that... I'm holding the camera, I didn't even know it come out. She's in third grade, dude, I miss most of the third grade. Yeah. 
And I had to keep telling her it was about my arm. I didn't want to tell her it was about my heart. And once I said, once I got out of that, I said, and I will make it out of this. Then we'll tell you. I mean, dude, I I put on my big boy pants for her. You know what I mean. I mean you, it's hard to explain it to someone who hasn't been through it. Yeah, dude, that just... But we didn't want to tell her. I'm really sorry you went through all this. I'm so glad you reached out to me. I, uh, the whole time I was sick, I don't know if you know like what I went through. You can hear in my voice the, the happiness that I'm feeling when I'm talking to Matt. I've been searching for, for years to find someone who went through something similar. The fact that he found the podcast and uh, reached out to me, I'm, I'm so grateful. Matt and I are, are two guys who are still alive. I think we're both honestly a little startled at that fact. The outsider comes back, and this time, he's got a heart for Corvo. In the days that follow, your trials will be great, Corvo. Seek the ancient runes bearing my mark in the lonely places of your world, and at shrines raised in my name. These runes will grant you powers beyond those of other men. To help you find these runes, I give you this the heart of a living thing, molded by my hands. With this heart, you will hear many secrets, and it will guide you toward my runes, no matter how they may be hidden. Listen to the heart now, and find another rune. This place is the end of all things and the beginning. Matt turns back to his computer and shows me a photograph of him still in the hospital and holding a teddy bear. I still have this bear because when you cough, right, I was the first one to Wait get... a second, so they gave you that bear? Yeah. So I remember the coughing thing, right. but they just, they gave me a tiny pillow. It wasn't actually a tiny pillow, but was a hospital bed sheet that had been folded into a tiny pillow. I was instructed to hold it tightly to my chest whenever I needed to cough. It's heavy, dude. It's like my girlfriend's like, you're hugging Teddy Rex, but I'm like, dude, it works. It yeah. really does work. To be honest with you, I feel a flare of jealousy when I see Matt's bear. I slept with that, with that pillow for like the next six months yep. after I went home. I couldn't let it go. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I, dude, I'm, she's like, here's your bear. All right, dude, so here I'll... <laughs> Matt mentions that his breastplate sometimes pops when he turns his body or turns his head suddenly. Tell me about your, your chest that you've reached for a couple times. What's wrong? Did it not heal properly? Oh, no, it heal. I just, I get pops when I turn. That's what I get, too, and that makes me think it didn't heal properly. When, you, when you're driving and kind of like that, like, oh, I was like, shit. I, th I, I always go to the doctor. I, they and they tell you there's nothing they can do. They, they go, this is, oh, it's right up here. They go, it's normal. I was like, I know you sawed me in half. 
But honestly, it makes me feel, I feel so much more sane hearing that you have pops too. No, dude, I do. I get it, I get it all the time. It's good to hear that going, hey, I'm not the only one. Yeah. I got, hey, dude, I'm telling you, this is, this is delicate. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a uh, peanut brittle. Yeah, it's like, it's exactly right. Right? You have no idea how comforting this moment is to me. I've been complaining to my cardiologist for years about the pops in my chest. He always looks at me like I've lost my mind, but here's Matt saying he feels it too. And peanut brittle is an incredibly apt descriptor. It's exactly right. And then I try to get Matt to open up a little bit more about his history. What ridiculous uh, idea did you have about what your life would be like? I really didn't think about it because I was too worried about surviving from a bad childhood. I didn't even think about it. I was more a creative guy. I'm a Libra, so it's like it's drawing, it's art, it's music, it's all that. Like for me, that's I so fit the sign like to the mm -hmm. T. It's I like, was really quiet yeah. until about eighth grade. In eighth grade, I just something in me snapped. I started growing my hair and wearing the jean jacket and being the hood. I was, I was the guy that had the Aussie and Iron Maiden and drew the Iron Maiden covers and stuff. And everyone's like, he's getting into Satanism. I'm like, it's just music. I like the covers. I like, you know, the style. That was my main thing. Music was my driving force. I was like 14 when I started guitar. I mean, dude, it like, it ruled my life. I'd have to have what's called my INR level. It's called your international ratio. I know, I have the same thing. I have to, I have to watch my INR. Because Matt and I both have mechanical valves, we have to take blood thinner uh, called warfarin. Warfarin thins the blood so that our blood is thin enough to cooperate with the mechanical valves in our chests. Once or twice a month, I have to go have my blood drawn, and then uh, the next morning I look up the results online. I had an INR test yesterday, and I'm supposed to be between 2.5 and 3.5. According to the website, I am currently at a 2.8 which means I'm right in the sweet spot. If I'm outside of that 2.5 to 3.5 sweet spot, I'm at risk for stroke or a heart attack. So no, we're, we're sitting here talking like we're robots. Yeah. I have to carry that around. With yeah, me. me too. I have a, a medic, medical. Uh, what we're talking about here is medic alert medallions. We both have one. Matt keeps his around his wrist. I keep mine around my neck. Yeah, so we all have the same thing. You have to wear these. Yeah. You have to wear those. Yeah. Like, because if you pass out, dude, you know, people, nobody dude, knows. They'll walk over you. Yeah. He's, he's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's wasted, dude. Let him. It's like, no, I'm dying. <laughs> the mechanical valves aren't silent. In a quiet room, you can hear it working. The first day I got home, I'm sitting there and I have a digital watch and I heard... But it's loud, like you'd be it's in an loud. elevator with somebody and I'm standing there and they're looking at you like you're carrying something. You're, you're, yeah. you're like, what do you got on you, man? My story takes a turn for the worse when two weeks after I get out of the hospital, I lose my father. They found him dead in his house. I'm from the state of Indiana originally. And uh, I was on a no travel list for at least four to six months because I physically couldn't travel. I couldn't go to my own dad's funeral. And that uh, made the recovery even a little more challenging. My dad told me when I was, I was 21, his dream, after watching me play for five years, was to dye his hair black, which I had at the time, and to be Elvis Presley. And he goes, to watch you do this without me ever telling you is so weird. 
Are you getting goosebumps again? I do. He, I feel like he. You feel like he's around. Oh, dude, all the time. After giving you this weird mechanical heart, the outsider tells you that he's going to keep an eye on you from now on. How you use what I have given you falls upon you as it has to the others before you. And now I return you to your world, but know that I will be watching with great interest. The heart over the course of the game tells you where treasures are located. It starts to beat faster and faster the closer you get to the treasure. Uh, oh man, it is so good to hear these stories. You're the only person I know who's been through this. Well, I hate when people go, yeah, I, I get it. No, you don't. Like, Dude. the fact that you just told me about the popping makes me, I'll sleep better tonight. And right. when it pops, I won't worry because I know that it pops for Matt too. This is absolutely true. I have felt so much better since talking to Matt. I'll tell you one thing, dude, that just absolutely haunted me was waking up. It was 10, 15 in the morning. They wheeled me down at 7, 7 in the morning. And I wake up, my mom and my girlfriend are in the corner. There's a window behind me and it's dark. And it was morning. It just uh, chills. It just the mood. It, it was so somber. And I see them both with their eyes this big and their hands over their mouth going, just weeping. Yeah. Because she's like, you look like a piece of meat. So I'm laying there, and dude, I'm such a smart aleck. I'm laying there like this, and I just look over at him. And you know, with the innovation thing, you can't talk or do anything. And I just kind of grinned, and I looked at him, and I was winking, and she's like, oh my God, he's making a joke about it. I'm like, I lived. Are you kidding me? I went through one of the hardest surgeries you will ever have to go through. Yeah. And I made it. Pills, like it or not, are part of Matt's life now. I think I about fainted the day I went home and he goes, someone needs to go to the pharmacy, we have your pills. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take some pills for a while. Eight yeah. pill bottles. I and have I pills everywhere now. He goes, well, two of these are like laxatives or stool softeners, but yeah. he goes, you know what I mean? You need this because when they, I always called it, you're like, it's like in a game, you're rebooted, you're restarted. What's, you have a new perspective on, on, on oh, things. Absolutely. But tell me about that perspective. How do you see things differently now? Things that used to bother me don't really bother me as much. Um, little things, say like my kid was doing something and, uh, you make it a mess or you're being too loud, like, and I might like snap about something anymore. I'm just it's like, I'm trying to find that positive in things because you probably did too. I had so many nurses going, you were given a second chance, don't waste it. I had so many of them tell me that. Yep, that's right. Everybody said the same exact thing to me. You've been given a second chance. Don't waste it. I just think I appreciate stuff more. I appreciate the little things. Uh, I wake up and I go, okay, cool. All right, we're here still, so let's take it from there. But like the whole video game thing was just such a, it was just such a, I don't even know how to say it. It was like a blessing in a way. I'm like, I can't go a lot of places. You know, the first year, you know, that you're recovering, they're like, don't fall down, don't trip, don't cut yourself. And it's just like, God, I want to travel. I want to go see the Great Wall of China. My perspective, I think, has just changed. I'm just more grateful for the little things. Like if I have a, a good meal with my, my girlfriend and my kid, I'm grateful for it. God, a lot of these old cliches, dude, I find as I get older that they're true. You know, you got to have that time to, like, stop and smell the roses to really take a minute and go, you know, I'm here now. I'm in the moment now. I think that's something we get away from is just enjoying the actual moment. I don't think, like I said, I don't think you can look at life the same way after you go through something like that. You just can't. It's, it's too big of a deal. 
I mean, dude, you went through some stuff that I would not wish on my worst enemy. I mean, it's it's barbaric. It's horrible what they do to you to live. <laughs> I mean, we were in a state of suspended animation. I just feel like I got extra time. And, and the whole time yes. I, I laid it yes. out. And, and yes. the thing is, I don't want to waste that time. Right. I thought a lot about my career, and maybe you did as well. Like, I thought about the video game industry and how I've gone to travel. Like, I've gone to Tokyo. Like, yeah. I've been everywhere. I've met Miyamoto a couple times. I've just, oh, man. like, I've wow. had beautiful moments. And, and as I laid in the hospital, incapacitated, I just couldn't tell. I'm like, did it? Was that really my life? Like, I, this is after the stroke. Like, did these things really happen to me? Games have given me more than I ever could have hoped for. I, my daughter's like, she's like, my dad's like a robot, and I go to tie in a game like Deus Ex or something. I go, no, I'm augmented. I'm not a robot, but I'm augmented. I literally depend on technology to live. I have to have this. I don't know how it works. I know it's weird looking, and that's why I mentioned Dishonored. The, the heart he has, dude, that's what, that's what I was looking like. I hate to tell you that your heart looks like the heart in Dishonored. The first game, I kept hearing so much about it. The story, the artwork was incredible. I oh, really. The first game was beautiful. Oh, dude, it's, sure. it really is amazing. And Corvo, I think I related to him because he had a daughter. I'm about the same age. You know, if I grew some facial hair, maybe I could kind of look like him. You know, like everyone loved him. He was so popular when everything was going good, right? He's the underdog in a way. And he's so determined. Relating it to my health issue, that's a fight of your life. Anyone who's ever played any of the Dishonored games, they are unique in how they look and feel. I mean, the artwork is that whole steampunk kind of beautiful, it reminds me of like oil paintings. And you know what's funny, Scott? I've played this game so many times, but I always find something new in it. I swear every time. There'll be something I missed, something where I looked, a character I didn't find, a pathway I didn't find. One of my favorite things is in the very beginning of Dishonored 1 is when he gets off the boat and he goes and Emily greets him and she gives him the kiss and she goes, oh, do you want to go and play hide and seek with me? Dude, I love that scene. And every time I play hide and seek with her, every time I do it, when we're younger, it's like you get in the games and you're just like, it's it's very direct. You just want to go in, kill, do this and that. You don't care about the emotional. You don't care about the story. As I've gotten older, I love a good story. A good story can just drag you in. And that's the thing that I really got to say. Don't you just feel this sense of accomplishment and pride in yourself when you can yeah. like pull something off? You're just like, oh my God, I did it. And I love that in the beginning of that first part. They're like, what did you do with Lady Emily? You know, oh my God, you know, he ki you know, killed by her own bodyguard. You know, how ironic. You know what I mean? Like, dude, they set it up and then they knock him out and then you wake up and you're in prison. I'm like, dude, let's do it. It's like, right. let's go. We're ready. I was a very active musician for a long time. You know, I came to Hollywood and I was in some pretty well-known rock bands and glam bands back in the 90s. And to look back, you know, 20 years later and I'm like, God, I have to take pills every day and I have to take blood tests once a month for the rest of my life and all this. It's a burden sometimes, but I'm just grateful to be here and I'm grateful for the simplest things. I'm just so grateful uh, for my life. Matt turns back to his computer one more time, and this time he opens up a photograph of what looks like a really hideous woman with, with white pancake makeup on and long hair holding a guitar. Oh my 
my god, I can't believe that. Is that really you? Jesus. Yeah, dude, I'm a man of many looks. You are a chameleon. After being what I went through now, I just... I just try to be a good person. I just try to live my life. I try to be good to myself and extra good to my friends and extra good to people that I know, like this guy down here and stuff. Like he fired me from the job years ago with no explanation. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. So the flower shop we're sitting in, Matt used to actually work in. But Matt's still friends with the guy who fired him, which says a lot about Matt's character. But I'm like, dude, whatever, I don't care. It's like, you're still my friend. Let that destroy a friendship we've had for 20 years. Hello there. Hi, Matt. This is Rafael Colantonio, formerly of Arcane Studios and one of the creators of Dishonored. I was in the ICU 23 days at a, a USC medical center. Had two major surgeries. It was a really like basically fighting for my life kind of thing. So, oh, yeah, that's a lot. You know, myself, I was always, uh, I also had my difficult times as a, as a young gamer back then. For me, it was Ultima 7 and Ultima Underworld and Thief. There are not that many games that try to tap into other emotions than just killing things. And I think when you are in a vulnerable space, then you, you probably respond very well to those games that are a little richer and deeper and have like more emotional ties to uh, more, sometimes more mundane things like, oh, do I want to help that person? Oh, there's this other way to do things or like makes you travel into a different world as opposed to you're just playing a game and killing things. I'm glad that, you know, my game was, was that for you. And, and, uh, and uh, by the way, it's not just my game. You know, we were like, 100 people on the on the oh, games. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 really a collaboration. I have to just say off the cuff, um, and dishonor to the Jindosh Mansion. That is the most. I'm the son of a carpenter. Yeah. So that mission, and to be you know to be perfectly transparent, uh, I was I was very instrumental to Dishonored One, mm -hmm. and whereas in Dishonored Two, I was more I was like working on Prey myself mm -hmm. at, right. at the time. Uh, and I was more like consulting on it. But in the case of Jindosh, uh, the, the clockwork mansion, as, as we call it, it was, uh, yeah, it was like an, a crazy, crazy achievement. Frankly, it was, it was championed by our level designer, uh, director all along. It, 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 everybody wanted to kill it because it was way too hard. Uh, yeah, I bet. Uh, Jesus. A disaster of uh, technology. We had to actually redesign those oh. uh, those crazy rooms that would actually flow into each other from a, from a logical standpoint. Everything is 3D. Everything is real. It was a very, very crazy achievement. If it was not for uh, Christophe Carrier, the lead at the time, this, this level would never have come out. What was the original inspiration of the game? Initially... And I think it's it's been so long now that it wouldn't be a secret anymore. But when we were approached by Bethesda, they wanted to they wanted to do like a thief type of game, right? They knew that we were one of the teams that would be able to pull this off because we had the passion for these kind of games. We've always been big fans of Looking Glass and that kind of like design philosophy. Then we wanted to do our own take on it. And it took a while, you know. It was very iterative. We started with kind of a London historic 1666, the Great Fire, the plague. He slowly evolved into something a little more magical, more steampunk, where the magic was uh, was more exposed as opposed to underground. And then we, you know, we at some point we named it. We said, okay, this game is about being a supernatural assassin. And that was the that was the moment where we really knew what we were doing. 
Is there a possibility down the road that there could be another chapter? So I'm going to use a cop out because, you know, <laughs> Arcane, oh, God. Um, I, I, so I created Arcane uh, 20 years ago and then I left it two years ago. Yeah, I'm still very, very friends with them. And Thank you very much, man. Love the work. That game is so unique to me. Because Matt said he was a musician, so he probably will appreciate that. I uh, also uh, composed the credit song for Dishonored 2. When you finish the game, there's the, it's called Read More Lullaby. That's also my song. Okay. Oh, wow. I had no idea. That's incredible. Wow. Wow, that's great, man. Jeez. My voice in there as well, in the back of the Neat. I'm glad it had this impact on you. It's part of your story now. Thank you, guys. How you been feeling? I got a 2.2 yesterday. Hey, that's better. Oh, man, dude. That last one you got, I was like, oh, God, I would have went to the hospital. I would have been scared. As soon as I got the 2.2, I'm like, I got to let Matt know so he can. Yeah, I was going to say, man, geez, you know. You know, I just lost a buddy of mine in Hollywood. He was a, a glam rocker. Yeah, a glam rocker guy. This guy, Lizzie Gray from a band called London that Nikki Six uh -huh. from Motley Crue was in when he started. Yeah, oh my man, wow. I, knew, I played with him, like he did shows with my old band with the Gutter Sluts. He knew yep. me, real, we knew each other real well. It was sad, dude, I was really bummed. This was like two days ago. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Uh, it's just, you know, and he was 60. He wasn't even that old. When I got out of the hospital, dude, I'd sit in the shower and cry. I'd start yeah. weeping, yeah. weep, yeah. weep, you know? And I'm like, fuck me, like, why did, why one, why did I go through this? And two, why was I spared? I kind of had a feeling that I would see him, but I wasn't so sure. This is Ashley, Matt's daughter. She, my grandpa drove me home and I'm like, wait, why am I, what? Yeah. So then I just <laughs> opened the door and I just see my dad sitting there with this freaking huge scar. Yep. And I felt had a heart, I was like, oh my God, what? Yep. And I just started weeping. I was so happy. I was so sad though, because like, he's this big scar. I was like eight at the time. I was like, what? Yeah. It was like so weird. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, and we, and when we, and when we went to Denny, we went to Denny's a lot because he literally kept losing weight, and yeah. literally he get these huge hamburgers. He eat them and he wouldn't gain any weight. Yeah. I remember telling him one time, I'm like, oh my god, what is happening to you? I'm so worried. Your dad before and your dad now. What's the difference? He doesn't care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. He has like gotten complete, I don't care mode. I don't care anymore. I'm alive. Yeah. I've been through death. You're his daughter the same way that Emily is Corbo's daughter and they have a really special connection and they really sort of oh. out for each other and they work together to get through the game. Your dad telling me about you and his, his attachment to the game, we really were talking about his attachment to you and how you are his Emily and he is the Corbo and how oh. you two work together to get through, through the world. Right. Exactly. That's essentially what it yeah. is. Going through what, what we've been through, uh, again, it just makes you realize how much bullshit there is in life. You and I, like, face death. I mean, what is there to be afraid of? You know, it's like, dude, if I can go through that, I can really go through anything. Like it's the spider like, that's in the bathroom right now. The spider that's in the bathroom right now. <laughs> the spider over there? 
She hates spiders, man. It doesn't bother me. I can hear the love for each other that you have in your voices. And Ashley, your dad speaks incredibly highly of you all the time and says so many nice things about you. It's a real honor to get to talk to you for a minute. So thank you for taking time to do this. Since recording this episode, Matt and I usually check in with each other every other week or so. Matt's most recent INR was a 3.3 and mine was a 2.6. In the end, and this is a slight spoiler, Corvo, using the mechanical heart that the outsider gave him, manages to save Emily. She becomes the new empress, and as the credits roll, all is well in Dunwall again. Believe it or not, that was Matt's song that just finished playing. It's called Beautiful You. You can find out more about Matt and his music at his website, mattmoss.com. If you want to connect with him as a gamer, his Xbox Live gamer tag is mossrock71. Thanks also to the makers of Dishonored, Arcane Studios, and of course, Bethesda Game Studios. And Rafael Colentino, thank you so much, buddy. If you want to catch up with Raphael, see what he's working on these days, follow him on Twitter at Raf, R-A-F, Colantonio, C-O-L-A-N-T-O-N-I-O. Special shout out this week to the Toronto International Game Summit on Mental Health Awareness. It's coming up on October 9th and 10th here in Toronto. Tickets are available online. Go to their website, tigs.ca. The original Dishonored was released in 2012. If you haven't played it, well, then I envy you. You are missing out on something special. And if you have played it before, this is your chance to dig out your copy and play it again. Dishonored 2 was released in 2016, also masterful. And the third Dishonored game, Death of the Outsider, was released in 2017. All three games you can probably pick up for less than 50 bucks, probably cheaper than that. Go to dishonored.bethesda.net to find out more. Music tracks in today's episode include Upbeat by John Luke Hefferton, Song for the New Year by Lee Rosevere, Green Fields by Scott Holmes, Under and Ending Sun by Krakatoa, All Things Magical by Thornshout, and the song you're hearing right now performed by Ben DeVries. The title is Dutch, and uh, I can't speak Dutch, so uh, the translation is A Child Was Born by Nature. If you're looking for those songs, try the free music archive, freemusicarchive.org. Heavily Pixelated is produced by Sarah Deakins. Our sound designer is Steven Nikolic. We make the show for free. We make absolutely no money doing this. But if you want to support the show, if you want the show to continue, you can help out by going to our just launched Patreon. Go to patreon.com, type in heavily pixelated and figure out which contribution tier works best for you. If you've got a story that you think might be great on the show, send us an email at heavilypix at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Heavily Pixelated. I am Scott C. Jones. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.